Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Surfing and travel is like, there's no better pair, right? Like surfing is a great excuse to go somewhere. That was a clip from my interview with today's guest, Timmy Smith. He's the founder of Arc Surfboards and a lot going on in this conversation. On the one hand... We've got all the travel stuff. Timmy shares his three best surfing spots around the world, how to plan a surf trip, the pros and cons of bringing a surfboard versus renting, the built-in community around travel and surfing, some of his favorite resources for travelers who love surfing and want to get into it, the number one best way to offload your surfboard at the end of a trip, how to dodge board bag fees, and so much more. And on the other side, we talk a lot around starting a business around your passion because he started shaping surfboards. He loves to travel. He loves to surf. So how is he managing that? An offline business for the most part. How can you create a travel lifestyle with an offline business and how your mindset can accelerate your expertise in something? He shares his thoughts around starting a business around one of your passions, which for some people can backfire. You can end up hating your passion in the end. On the flip side, maybe building something can make your relationship stronger with it. So you can hear Timmy's thoughts on that. The ideas he has for structuring a physical business around travel, some of the benefits of working in the corporate world. I know we don't talk about this enough. We talk a lot about quitting your job and traveling, but there are many benefits to working in the corporate world. In fact, on the back end of the interview, I'll share my three big ones why enjoying the process is essential, why not caring about others' judgments is so liberating, and so much more packed into today's show. You're going to love it. Plus, you'll hear an amusing story from my first surf trip that'll probably have you laughing at me, and I'm totally great with that. (laughs) That'll be in this interview, and a little surprise at the end, something we've never done before, but... I wanted to put this together for you, just for your listening pleasure, for your enjoyment. So all of that happening and much more right now. Buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out. 
letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I hope today's episode finds you well, my friend. We have another story from the community. This is why I love making this a two-way conversation when you, yes, you, the listener, takes the time to get in touch. I get to learn about you. I get to learn about the community and I get to have on some incredible guests. So that's what happened with this show. I had Timmy Smith reach out, who is a listener of the show, just to check in, share a bit of his story, how he took off on a surf trip to Asia in 2019, which quote unquote set off an insane set of events, life events. And after almost two years and tons of travel, I am where I am because of that one decision to leave end quote. And you're going to hear his story today in this show because I invited him on to share it. And as you heard at the top, we get into a whole bunch of stuff, including practical travel tips around surfing, which whether you've done it or not, is a great way to structure a trip, to find something you love, an activity, and to just build your trip around that. And I've done that with surfing very intentionally to Nicaragua, to Costa Rica, Hawaii, a little bit a part of that. And I'm no surfer, that's for sure. (laughs) But there's a lot of joy in finding those spots and then exploring them and experiencing the culture and the place around it. So we get into all that. And of course, on the other side, some of the business and lifestyle stuff and how a trip can change your life and and all the good stuff that we know and love here on the podcast. It's so much value in hearing people's journey towards a life of travel, getting on that path and all the lessons learned from that. So a lot coming out of this interview. I know you're going to love it. Now, let's slip and slide, or should I say surf, into today's interview segment. Stick around afterwards. I have a little surprise for you, something I haven't done before that you might find amusing at the very least. Plus, I'll share what I see as the three main benefits of working for someone else. Not something we talk about a lot here on the show, but this is something that's helped me a lot in life. And I just wanted to highlight a few benefits and share some thoughts around the interview. So please enjoy it right now, and I will see you on the other side of my phone. I'm on the line with Timmy Smith, who's the founder of Arc Surfboards. You can check them out at arcsurfboards.com. They make beautiful boards that perform, and it's really travel that seemed to lead to the creation of this company. We're going to hear about how that all happens. And of course, I'm going to have to get some of your best surf spot around the world recommendations and a lot more. And really, the, the crux of this is going to be how much impact one trip can have. So anyway, Timmy, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's awesome. Well, you didn't really pitch yourself as a guest, but I just you said a lot of cool things in your email that we'll pick apart here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think when you want to travel and you want travel to be a part of your life and you actually make the decision to do it and, and, and you kind of have an open mind with it, it can lead to some pretty amazing places, not just the destinations themselves, of course, but in life, right? I mean, it takes you in a totally different direction. It sounds like that's what happened to you because uh, the quote in your email said, 
Finally, in the spring of 2019, I set off on a surf trip to Asia. Long story short, this set off an insane set of life events. And after almost two years and tons of travel, I am where I am because of that one decision to leave. Yeah. And a lot of other guests on your podcast, I'm sure, have had the same story, right? Like you make this one decision that kind of escalates and, you know, over time builds your life into what it is today. And each one of those little things, when you look back at it, is just a huge impact. And I think my story is very similar to that. And like, you know, while it was happening, I didn't realize it, but it really has shaped my entire life so far. You know, this one decision to leave and this one decision to, you know, go on a trip that I really wanted to do. And again, I think like, while it's happening, you don't really know what you're getting into, but those little things do lead to something. Um, and in my case, it led to, you know, starting a surfboard company, uh, which I, you know, I never would have imagined. I never thought about the construction of surfboards. I never thought, you know, how to build them. I always just surfed. So it's so funny how, you know, when you on one trip, it just kind of leads to this crazy thing that you never would have dreamed of. <laughs> well, I mean, when did the idea for the company start entering your mind? Was it on the trip or afterwards upon reflection? So I went on a surf trip. I wasn't thinking about, you know, building boards or anything. I was just kind of surfing. Um, and when I came home, I was kind of at that point where I was like, okay, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Like, where do I want to go? You know, that classic question, right? And it's funny, my younger brother actually built a board in our garage, in our parents' garage. And so I came home and I see this board in it. So it's a fish surfboard, which is kind of like a retro design. Usually like when you shape your first surfboard, a lot of people do a fish just because it's super retro and, you know, pretty cool. Um, so I see this board and it kind of like demystified the whole idea of, you know, how surfboards are built because I come home and there's a surfboard sitting there and I'm like, oh, this actually looks like a surfboard and you built this in your garage, <laughs> you know? And I immediately, By your I younger was like, brother, nonetheless, you know, yeah, exactly. rivalry. You're like, well, if my younger brother can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I was like, oh, I could, you know, I could make one of these. Um, so that whole summer, I got back in early May. Um, and that entire summer, like me, my brother, a uh, couple of buddies, my other brothers, I have three brothers and a sister, actually. Um, we kind of just hung out and shaped surfboards, drank beers. Um, but by the end of the summer, it became very clear to me that I was getting obsessed with it to the level of like, it wasn't just like a hobby. Like I, you know, I was thinking of it as, you know, more of a startup, um, you know, and a business opportunity, um, you know, an opportunity to create a business about around something that I'm passionate about. I think most surfboard companies, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a pretty big generalization, but I think most surfboard companies, they usually started by someone who's, you know, built surfboards in their backyard for years and years and years. And then slowly they kind of, you know, get better at it. And then, you know, your buddy wants a board and then this person wants a board. And then after years, you know, you're an established surfboard shaper is what you're, you're called. That's the kind of official title. Um, but I think from day one, I kind of realized, oh, if I get really good at this and I, uh, 
I go at it, I could potentially create a business out of it. So I kind of had that business mindset from day one, which is a little bit different than, you know, your average surfboard shaper story. It kind of, I created it as a hobby, kind of like in the direction of a potential business. Right. So in that way, it probably had you looking at the craft differently, maybe thinking, oh, instead of taking this, not that you weren't having fun and taking it casually, but it's almost like, well, how can I accelerate my expertise in this? Yeah, as absolutely. As possible. Right? That's a good word. I think like it was all about acceleration. Like I kind of wanted to, and at times I kind of would get ahead of myself. Like I would take too many orders. <laughs> so I would kind of, um, you know, miss deadlines and all that. But I wanted to get from point A to point B um, quickly. Um, and actually what ended up happening was by the end of the summer, I got a marketing job at a startup, um, which is just kind of strange. Like looking back on it, you can, you can kind of be like, oh, I probably should have done this or probably should have done that. But um, I got a marketing job full time and I basically took my entire salary and just poured it into boards, which was super, it was kind of terrifying. Um, but I knew I was headed somewhere. I didn't know where it was going, but I worked that job for, let's see, I think about six months, I think from August to December around, you know, in between Christmas and new year's, which is when I quit and then took the boards that I was working on and went back to Sri Lanka. And I did that. <laughs> I did that because I wanted to do some more R and D on the boards. So I basically shaped like three of my most popular models at the time and then just like left. And which is a super, again, going back to what we were talking about with like, you don't really know what you're doing at the time, but then it makes sense. Like I kind of needed another trip and I, I kept feeling like I was really deep into the boards. And if I kept going, I wouldn't have any time to travel. I had, you know, just as kind of a stupid thought, but I left again and it ended up being a really good choice. I don't think that's a stupid thought. I, I think it's a pretty common fear. I know certainly when I started working for myself or a, a lot of the things that I brought into my life that were different, for example, bu like buying my first place, I felt afraid that it would prevent me from traveling somehow or taking on responsibilities as an entrepreneur. I, I felt that might like interfere with my travels in some way. And that's, that is a tricky balance, right? Because you're, you're trying to create something, like you said, it's around something you love, but well, let, let's talk about that for a second. I feel like there's a lot to unpack here and, and we can talk about some, some of the fears related to, to the business impeding on your travels, but a surfboard company is I mean, it's a hard good, right? Certainly. It's like this combination of you know, e-commerce, you could say, but it's not that straightforward. It's also a bit of a lifestyle brand. It has to be, right? Because it's, it's about the lifestyle. And sometimes when people create a business around something they're passionate about, it, it ends up kind of ruining the lifestyle for them. Where do you land on that debate right now in, in this in this moment in time? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. And it's actually, it's something that I think about a lot. And it's something that I struggle with, not in a bad way. It's just something that's on my mind. 
Um, and I've heard other people in the surfboard business say this too. Like a lot of people get into surfboard shaping um, because, you know, you can shape surfboards and then you can surf and then it's just this like free lifestyle. But on the flip side, in reality, you're in a dark room, you're alone and you're building these surfboards alone and you can't, you can't leave, you know, you can't leave that workshop because that's where everything happens, right? <laughs> that's where you right. build the boards. You can't work remotely and build surfboards, right? You have to be in a factory. Right now, this at this time, um, I think, you know, making sure that those two things are kept separate um, is, a, is a big deal for me. I still want to be able to travel and I still want to be able to build surfboards. What, so whether or not that's, you know, traveling, you know, part-time and then having like a, you know, six month block where I'm shaping and building surfboards, you know, that's a possibility, but yeah, that's something that I think about. Um, cause it is a lifestyle brand and it, you do have to be present. In that debate, I mean, part of it might be, you know, a fear of ruining the, the purity of the relationship that you have with the thing you love X, Y, or Z, right? And same if you're a, if you're really into hiking or something and you start selling hiking gear and you know there's the commercial side of things and then there's the just the pure love of the sport or the activity or whatever and yeah that can certainly absolutely enter into the debate too i feel and i think yeah going off that i think um building surfboards has a hundred percent um increased my love for surfing like no doubt like being you know being so connected to the boards that i'm riding under my feet it has, if anything, it's just like, you know, it sent my love for surf, surfing and surfboard building through the roof. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything I've been so obsessed with, right? Um, especially the construction. And we were talking a little bit about that before. I had never given two thoughts about, you know, how a board is made. It's just a, it's just a board and I thought about the shape. Um, but, you know the construction of the surfboards is like all I think about now, you know, is this epoxy? Is it polyester? So yeah, I think there's always that potential when you make your hobby, your business, it becomes, you know, it becomes crucial. It becomes uh, critical. So sometimes you can lose the joy, but for me, I think it's more of a, uh, the struggle for me is more of how do I balance, you know, being able to travel and, uh, you know, having freedom with having a business that, you know, requires you to be in one spot. I think that's the struggle. Um, as far as happiness with, you know, my hobby as a business, like it's only sent it through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's a good point. Just the, what you're talking about, I think is the appreciation level that you have for every, I mean, once you create something yourself, uh, and then you look around and you kind of take others in, in your case, surfboards, you know, even a small example, like I was, I, I helped my buddy who's a carpenter. He does this professionally. I say I helped him. I did the painting and stood there <laughs> yeah. while I cut the wood, you know, we built some shelves, like some custom shelves for my house. And I was with him every step of the way. And I went to his woodworking shop multiple times to work on this project. And now they're installed and they're here. And there's such a great level of satisfaction to just look at that and know, what went into it. And then it just increased my appreciation for any custom 
built things that I see in people's houses, right? Like just going through the process, you you understand a bit more what it takes and, and it just, I think it brings things to life in that way. I feel like it's easy to romanticize, especially maybe in this day and age, the the physical aspect of what you're doing, right? I mean, I think that's why a lot of travelers love travel because you're, hey, travel isn't about sitting in front of an iPad. It's about being in the in the world and, and smelling the smells and, and having cultural exchanges and meeting people, you know, in, in regular times, not in, we say pandemic times, but yeah, just having those interactions and being in the physical world, which is funny to say because it's just really the natural way of being. And for your work and for maybe people that are listening that are maybe considering this balance is not everybody wants to work online and have an online business, even though that's probably going to be some element of business nowadays. You have to have generally some presence online, but you can use other other platforms to leverage that. that anyway, that's another topic. But for maybe somebody that's considering this type of lifestyle business, we'll call it, where you're like, hey, I still want to travel. I still want to have my business, but I also have this physical aspect. And you mentioned having to be in one place, but there's also the the working with your hands piece, right? Talk about that. I mean, is that something that's important to you? Because you're you're probably a lot younger than me, I, I think. Yeah, twenty. <laughs> and you grew up. Yeah, I mean, you you grew up. You never grew up without the internet, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, talk about that like your relationship with your work when it comes to you know being disconnected from technology and be able to work in that way yeah absolutely um i mean that's definitely a huge part of building surfboards right i mean it's um you could say it's an art you could say it's a science you know with uh, planning technology and design um but it's also physical labor you know so it's like it's a combination of so many different things that are really tough you know you're building a piece of artwork and it's it's super physical and you have to be just on it while you're doing it because you slip while you're sanding the board at the end which is you know the final stage of the surfboard construction while you're sanding the board even that is an art because there's a certain motion there's a certain way that you go up and down the board and then there's a certain way you hit the rails and it's it's really hard you know it's it's physical but it's also very uh, delicate and your mind has to be completely, completely there. So yeah, that's like, it's, it's kind of the combination of a lot of different uh, really tough jobs. <laughs> so like building surfboards is, you know, it's, it's not always, it's not always as glamorous as you would think, you know, it's, it's hard. It's like, it's manual labor. But then you get the final product and you're like, wow, this is, this is truly amazing. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com altitude go 
To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. Is it important to have that physical aspect to your work for you to, to, to not be in front of a screen, I should say? Um, yeah, it is. And I think that physical aspect kind of, um, it, it actually forms the basis of the company. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you can create a surfboard company and then it goes off and, you know, people buy apparel and, and, and you know, hats and whatever and surf accessories. But that physical labor is always at the root of the company which is actually, it's really fun to see a lot of different surf companies that are like, you know, more clothing based kind of like struggle to find that one thing that like holds them together. Um, that one thing that makes them core, so to speak, that makes them, you know, um, that makes people trust them. It's funny because surfing just, you know, it's rooted in the surfboard. The surfboard is the basis of pretty much everything. So yeah, that, that physical part is very important. Where did you learn how to surf? Where did I learn how to surf? Um, I'm pretty much self-taught. I started when I was like 10. Um, But I mean, did you grow up near the beach or? Yeah. So I'm from Southern Massachusetts actually, um, which is where I am right now. Right. It's cold. Yeah. It's, uh, (laughs) and we surf all winter actually. Yeah. And you know, 30 degree water, we've got hoods and, you know, gloves and booties and, you know, we're out there all winter and it's actually some of the best surf of the year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I learned when I was about 10 years old, my dad got me a, um, he got me like a six O, you know, classic shortboard. Um, and we'd go to like Newport, Rhode Island, which is a pretty, you know, for new England, it's a pretty big surf destination. There's a lot of other, you know, more secretive spots, but, uh, Newport was the first place I surfed and it was kind of just progressing from there. I feel like there are a lot of uncrowded surf spots in these colder water regions, right? Anytime somebody's taking off to go 
on a surf trip. They're not traveling up to Massachusetts or Rhode Island. Generally, I mean, I feel like there are people that do that. I, I know there's some surfing even here in, in Norway. I, I've the heard same that. guy I was talking about. Yeah, he was saying that he helped his buddy build a kitchen in his van because he goes up to Lofoten, which is way up in the north, to go surfing. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I've heard there are some really good breaks up in Norway. Iceland, too. It's not the normal sort of surf destination. I mean, I, I imagine it was a pretty small surf community where you grew up. Um, yeah, it's it was very small when I grew up in the winter. In the summer, I mean, people have been surfing in Newport and, you know, Rhode Island and New England for a while, probably since the probably since the 70s. So there has always been like a, you know, the, like your summer surf crew, um, but winter surfing I mean, over the last five years, it's absolutely exploded, which is crazy because it's it's freezing. Um, but the thing is, like wetsuit technology is so good now. Um, the wetsuits are so warm. It's just, you know, word spreads fast. Like if your buddy goes surfing in a, a full wetsuit with a hood, like everyone immediately knows about it and they want to try it. So, I mean, surprisingly, there's a really big surf community. Um in New England. I mean, I sell most of my boards here. So, I mean, a few out to California every now and then, but most of them all New England. So, the surf community is definitely expanding. Like, you know, when when a swell comes in, like when there are good waves on a certain day, uh middle of February, if you go out to, you know, a popular break, I mean, you could see like 100 guys out there. Like I mean, there's a pretty big community. It's really cool. Yeah. I find that when you're into an activity like surfing, it's it's sometimes easier to plan a trip in, in that way, right? You're kind of like, hey, I know what I want to do on this trip. I want to go surfing or, you know, fill in the blank for the listener. I guess we should stick on surfing specifically. What are your, some of your favorite resources for planning a surf trip? Whether it's uh, you're a beginner I mean, I'm sure like people that are not beginners maybe have better knowledge of some of the resources out there. But, you know, I've gone surfing a handful of times in different places, loved it every time, but I still don't know exactly where to start if I wanted to say, hey, like I'm ready to go on some kind of a surf trip. Yeah. Where should I go? So, I mean, if, I think the most important thing is your skill level. You know, if you're like, if you're a beginner, I mean, there's tons of places all around the world where you can go and you know, you can find a place with amazing culture, but then also some nice, easy, you know, fun waves. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're an expert, if you really want to get out there and find some gnarly waves, like there's obviously spots for that. So I think first and foremost, it's, I mean, it's all about skill level and what type of wave you want. You can go places depending on the season, which is also important, whether it's winter or summer, um, you can find places with the proper wave, the proper, you know, the temperature. Do you want to be wearing a wetsuit? Do you want to be wearing board shorts? I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things to consider, but at the end of the day, you can pretty much narrow it down by, you know, season and temperature. Like if you want to surf in the summer and you want to get like, you know, our summer. So, you know, May through September, let's say, if you want to surf one of those months and you're a experienced surfer and you really want some good waves like you know if you go to you know 
if you go to Bali, if you go to Indonesia, it's just going to be lit up, right? But you're going to be out there with, you know, 50 pros who are also going for the same waves. So, you know, if you're a beginner and it's August, you probably don't want to go to Bali, right? You could go somewhere, you know, off season where the waves are a little smaller and you're not going to get too many, you know, too much crowds. I think you mentioned, um, I think I was listening to one of your other podcasts. I think you were in Costa Rica, right? You were surfing down there. A while back. Yeah. A while back. Yeah. I mean, Costa Rica is, uh, I actually have not been hopefully this summer, actually my girlfriend and I want to go down there. Um, but the summer is really good season. Um, just because it's the Southern atmosphere winter, the Southern hemisphere winter rather. (laughs) Do you have any apps or websites that you recommend if, if people wanted to start kind of looking into a trip like that? I'm just curious if there's anything that you use. Um, I mean, so you have Surfline. That's probably like the main surfing weather forecasting website. And they always have, you know, they've got tons of articles. It'd be like top 10 surf destinations for beginners in May, you know, super specific stuff like that. That's always good help. Um, tons of blogs, you know, stab is good magazine, you know, a lot of fun articles. Um, but I think it's really like, it's just the process of elimination. Like what, type of, you know, what temperature do you want to surf in? Do you want to be wearing a wetsuit? Do you want to be in board shorts? Um, because you could go to like, I don't know, you could go to surf in Morocco in the winter and be like, oh, let's go to Morocco. It's it's Africa, so it's super warm um, and we'll be in board shorts. But then you show up and everyone's in like a 4-3 long sleeve wetsuit and it's cold. So I think you just have to be really careful about the season because it can be a little bit deceiving. Yeah. Let's hear three of your favorite spots to go in the world. Maybe it's just countries. Yeah. <sighs> Jeez. I don't know. I think, I mean, number one's got to be um, Sri Lanka just because I've spent so much time there and I know the waves so well. And it's just like the thing about Sri Lanka is it's just the perfect mix of like culture, environment, uh, beaches, just everything is just so magical there. But the waves are very similar to like a really good day, uh, here in, you know, Rhode Island or Southern Massachusetts. The waves are very similar. Um, but except it's much more consistent. So like a really good day here, um, let's say in Rhode Island, it's like that every day in Sri Lanka. Um, so I felt like a connection there with the waves. I, it just really worked for me. Um, but the other thing is you don't go to Sri Lanka if you want like double overhead barrels, right? Like you don't want, you don't go there for Hawaii type waves, North shore, right? You go there for just good waves. You know, you get like overhead, but, um, you go there for super fun waves and you're just going to have a really good time. And I think what I noticed about that is you don't get like the hardo, you know, barrel chasers, you know, <laughs> who just kind of want to go on a boat trip to the Mentaways or something like that. Um, and they're ju- there just to surf and get tubed. Like you meet some really cool people in Sri Lanka because it's the type of person who just wants to hang out and surf. Um, 
which I thought was really cool. You just meet the most amazing people depending on where you go in the world surfing. There's, you know, you're going to meet a different yeah. type of person generally. Yeah, it's like a built-in community in, in many ways. Yeah, for right. sure. Uh, but that was definitely, you know, that's the coolest thing about the waves in Sri Lanka. Um, but I think home in Rhode Island, that's probably number two. I, I love it here. I love surfing in the winter here. Um, there's something about paddling out when it's snowing <laughs> that is just really cool. And the waves get really good. Not all the time. Most of the time it's, they're small. Uh, but when you get a good day, um, you get a nice hurricane swell that comes through. I mean, it's, it's really good and it's, it's super fun. So it's probably number two. Um, number three is got, it's gotta be actually Southern India, Southern India, not for the wave quality. I mean, the waves weren't that great when I was there, at least I've heard they can get really good. But when I was there, it was a little bit small. But I think for me, it was just the novelty of surfing in India because that's not the first country that comes to mind for anyone, even surfers who really know their stuff. I mean, India is not the first country that you think of when you think of a surf trip. Um, but there is a surf community there, which is kind of why I went there in the first place. <laughs> I wanted to find that. Um, and this, so this was... That was almost two years ago at this point, but it's actually getting pretty popular. There's a couple like surf hostels there, surf camps, but there's this really fun wave that I won't name, but it's, um, I had it when it was like shoulder high. So like you measure waves with like, usually like your body. So it's like the waves, knee high, waist high, shoulder high, head high, overhead, it was like, uh, you know, waist to shoulder high, but you could tell when the waves start firing, it's like a really good wave. Nice. But yeah. it's a secret spot that you can't reveal here on the Zero to Travel pod. Nobody's listening. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, just, <laughs> we're just hanging out. Just two Yeah, guys no, no one's listening right now. Conversation. <laughs> um, but, it, but it is. Southern India, all across the coast, you can find some waves. No, for anyone listening. out there, I'm just trying to just trying to coax the answer out of you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the Not. other. I, there's so. I mean, going back to your, um, going back to that other point, there are like there's just so many ways to do surf trips, right? Like you can go to a place where you know there are going to be waves. If you go to Costa Rica, you know, in the summer, you go in like July or something, there's going to be waves. You know, you know, it's just, you know, you're going to find waves, especially if you only have a week. So that kind of gets into that other thing that is a constant battle for travelers. Like how long do you have, right? If you only have a week, you don't want to go and take a chance. You don't want to go to a place where there might be waves. You're going to go to a place where there's 100% going to be waves and you're going to have a really good time. But if you have, you know, a couple months or a couple weeks at least, that's where it really gets fun because you can start exploring new places and you can, you know, go to different countries that, you know, you could score, you could get some waves or you might get skunked. Um which is what I did with India. I had no idea if I was going to be able to surf. I didn't even, I sold my board in Sri Lanka and went to India with no board. Um, but 
luckily there were waves and it was the coolest experience ever while surfing. Right. But, uh, if you can find those extra couple weeks or those extra couple months, that's when it gets fun. Cause you can go to different places where it's, it's not really consistent. And, and then that just opens up a whole nother can of worms. I mean, there's people that, you know, they specifically seek out waves that don't frequently break, which is one of the coolest parts of surfing. Like when you surf a wave that doesn't usually break, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's one of those sports where it's just, it feels so natural to tie travel in with it. Right. Cause you have all of the different natural breaks all over the world that you can explore. There's the natural element and the thrill of, of exploration in the ocean, but then also you get back on land and you're in a different culture. You're, you know, all, all of the joys of travel that, that we all know. And, and that's, I think one of the appealing things for me, it's, it's, for me, it's maybe not about, oh yeah, like I'm this hardcore surfer, but just saying, Hey, this is a cool thing to build a trip around and we can find some cool places to go and, and, and have this thing to do that's good for your body. And I feel good, good for your soul, even though you get thrashed and I'm always a nervous wreck because well, I have bad shoulders, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to get in line in the wrong way. I'm going to somehow stick my board and, and snake away from a local and, and then, uh, you know, a fight's going to break out or something, you know. Yeah. Us beginners, we can't really control everything <laughs> all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you really can't. Um, you, I mean, surfing and travel is like there's no better pair, right? Like surfing is a great excuse to go somewhere. You know, you can go oh, on to go chase waves here and I'm going because I want to surf. It's a, uh, it's both an excuse, but it's also just, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's just another form of traveling, even locally, you know, like where I live, there's so many rocky points that, I mean, it, it feels like when you're searching for waves around home, there's different breaks that don't usually work, right? There's some waves that you surf a lot and there's some waves that you, you know, you've only seen break like three times in your life. And then you catch that wave on a good day and it's just as exciting, you know, in home in Southern Massachusetts, when you find a really good wave that doesn't usually break, it's just as exciting as, you know, being in India and finding this hidden point break. It's uh, and that's the coolest part about it. It, it feels like you're traveling even when you're just at home yeah. on a weekend if there's mm. a swell in town. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, that certainly can be applied to anything, right? Like anything you can do that gives you that feeling of sort of travel and adventure and exploration, especially when you're homebound or, or around home, it's still totally possible to have those to get that travel energy. I don't really know how else to describe it, but oh, I yeah. think everybody knows the feeling when you're close to home and you're doing something and you come back later in the day or whatever, maybe even in the moment you're thinking, wow, that felt like, I felt like I was traveling there for, yeah, for, absolutely. for a while, even though I, I, I didn't really go far. A quick logistical question. If you're the person that maybe wants to do like a month or two month trip and you know, maybe you're not a, a hardcore surfer, like you're not a regular surfer, but it's going to be a big part of your trip. Do you recommend 
bringing a board or do you recommend just going somewhere and renting renting them if you're going to travel around and just rent them in different places or going somewhere buying one and reselling it i realize this might be a little bit biased answer since you own a surf company but you're like <laughs> yeah, first go to my website yeah buy first buy an arc surf board <laughs> call hook you up for the perfect surf destination <laughs> it's a yeah that's a really good question um i i always say like it really depends on where you're going. If you're going for a lot of guys in my area, like hop down to Puerto Rico in the winter to surf for like a weekend. Um, and you get super cheap, like especially this winter. I mean, uh, I had a couple of buddies that were going down there for like 80 bucks round trip. And that's direct from Boston, right? Boston to San Juan, 80 bucks, no brainer. Like you can afford to bring a board just cause it's easy. Um, if you're going to somewhere that's a little bit harder to get to, it really depends uh, what your final destination looks like. If you're going to the middle of nowhere, you're not going to be able to find a board. Um, so you should probably bring one. And like, if you're like an expert surfer and you've got like 20 boards at home and you're going on that type of surf trip, you're probably going to bring a big board bag. Um, people bring board bags like that can fit like six surfboards in them. But it's a pain to to check those on a plane. Sometimes it's like a hundred dollars per board. Sometimes it's free airlines are like, I mean, you can imagine like they're all over the place. So I always say if you can rent a board and you're done, you're not really like, if you're not there just to surf, like if you're going somewhere and you, um, you know, you're going to do some, you know, sightseeing and you're going to do some, you know, other adventures and maybe you're surfing like a couple days. Yeah. Like see if you can rent one there, do some research, see if there's surf camps. Um, but if you're going somewhere pretty remote, you're probably going to want to bring some boards. Um, but it's a pain. Like I brought three boards to Sri Lanka and, uh, my shoulder still hurts <laughs> from carrying them through the airports. Cause I actually, so going back to the board bag fees, it gets expensive. If you bring three boards to, I don't know, Bali or something like that, I mean, it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. So yeah. anybody listening is going to be bring three boards. They already know that probably, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can usually buy a board. I mean, there's surf shops everywhere now, you know, um, even in Sri Lanka, you can get like, you can get really nice, like you can get, I mean, the same surfboards you can get in the States or Australia. Um, and it's going to be cheaper than actually bringing your own board. So like actually you mentioned, you can buy one and then sell it. Or what I've seen a lot of people do is you buy a board, surf it. If you're there for a few weeks, you know, surf the hell out of it, have fun, and then give it to like a local kid. I've seen people do that, which is awesome. Um, because like, I mean, they're scrapping for boards, right? They want to learn how to surf. There's usually tons of locals who are on like, you know, broken boards and stuff like that because they're just stoked about it. Um, but yeah, I actually dodged the board bag fees by going through Europe. So I basically just found every airline that doesn't have any board bag fees. So it's like you can ship a board for free and it ended up being like Azores airlines, like the SATA and then like, I think it was Emirates or um, Qatar, Qatar Airways. So I basically went from Boston to the Azores, 
Azores to Lisbon. Lisbon took a bus with my boards to Madrid. So I'm on the metro with like uh, three surfboards looking like an idiot. And then from there to Abu Dhabi to Sri Lanka. And it extended my trip like a couple of weeks, obviously. But I, but it was just like the principle of not paying any board bag fees. But obviously, I ended up spending more money because I was staying in these places for a few days at a time. Yeah, right, right. But it was just it the was principle part of, not... of the, a challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes travel hacking might you might call that is is not about actually the 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 rational part of like saving money. Sometimes it's just about, you know what? I'm just going to find a way to do this. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> it's like sticking it to the airlines. <laughs> Absolutely. That's travel cool. hacking, lots yeah. of travel hacking in the surfboard world for sure. <laughs> uh, when I went to Costa Rica, I can't remember if it was the first or second time I was surfing. Cause you mentioned renting a board. And so I, you know, I, sh- I showed up there and I'm like, all right, like, yeah, let me go rent a board and I'm, I'm ready to do this. And I go to the shop and I'm like, all right, yeah, I want to rent a board. I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm all stoked. You know, I'm ready to go do this surfing thing. And the guy just asked me how much experience I had. And, and I said, I didn't really have any, but I was like, but that's okay. You know, come on. Yeah. I, I want to get it for a week and, or whatever it was. And he wouldn't rent it to me. Wait, why <laughs> not? Like, he thought I was going to break it. I guess probably he was, he was probably going to be right. So anyway, later on, I, I was just, Oh man, I was so crestfallen because this was the reason I, I came. Like, I, I guess I'll just have to switch locations or what am I going to do? And some guys there overheard the conversation. And this one dude ran outward bound to Costa Rica, which is a, like a big organization. They do a lot of outdoor adventures and stuff. And he had a Jeep with like, I don't know how many surfboards on it. And he was traveling with a friend of his and they were just cruising around going to different breaks. And they just invited us to jump in their car and go with them. (laughs) It was awesome. So we checked out and then just rolled with these guys for like a week and went to all these places I never would have gone. I was just like, well, hey, that is pretty cool. And so cool, such nice guys and so cool that they just kind of took pity on this, this poor guy, me, who couldn't, wouldn't even wasn't able to get a board. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I guess I don't look very. Um, what, what, what would the word be? Responsible. I, I don't know. Responsible. <laughs> <laughs> it just like took one leg. I mean, like this guy can't handle. A, a He's board. not. This guy's not responsible. No. Uh, <laughs> this guy's irresponsible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, sure I mean, that's, that's the coolest part like, when you meet other people yeah. and you just hang out with them and surf. I mean, that's you know that's the coolest thing for sure. I wanted to go back to something you said before, because you mentioned when you were working the job and you started pouring all your money of your paychecks into your company. And I I, I imagine that was pretty scary, like you said. How did you do that from a mindset perspective? I think this this is something that I think can translate to a lot of different things, right? It's sort of the same as in a way, quitting your job and and taking off to travel. It, It could kind of fall into this bucket, right? You just kind of have to have some trust there or, or, or understand, you know, in that case, you might be investing your money into travel or if it's a company or something like that. What did you do to kind of keep pushing forward and not let the doubts or fears stop you from, in, the, in, the, in your case, building this company? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think 
you know, having some sort of goal in mind, um, or not some sort of goal, having a goal in mind, like a place that you want to get to a place that you are going to get to no matter what it takes. Like if you can get to that mindset, which is tough, you know, it's tough to do. You kind of have to be obsessed with something to, to kind of dabble in that. Um, and I can only speak, you know, I'm 25. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I can't speak for, um, like other people in business. I, I, but I do know for, you know, for me personally, I knew I wanted to, uh, become an expert at building surfboards, which is like a ridiculous thing for, I was 23 at the time is a ridiculous thing for a 23 year old who has never built a surfboard before to think. But I thought for some reason, I thought that for some reason I was like, I'm going to become a, a expert at building surfboards. I'm going to make the best surfboards. Like I can do it better than this company. I can do it better than that company. Um, and I just, you know, it's just blinders, you know, you throw on your blinders and you just go, I, I don't know. I don't know how, but, um, I, I think it's, you know, having that goal, you know, I wanted to become a really good surfboard builder and I wanted to sell surfboards and I was kind of like, okay, how do I do this? Um, I kind of saw past the, not the experience thing, but I think sometimes you can, it's daunting, right? You see someone else who's like, oh, this person has 10 years of experience, but how many hours does that guy have, right? Like how many hours has he been putting into it? How many hours do I need to put in to become an expert? Um, And I didn't know the answer to that. So I think I just, you know, head down and kind of did whatever it took to become, and look, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm still not. I don't think anyone is ever, you know, a master or perfect at it, but um, I got better and I got good enough to be able to sell surfboards. Um, and I got good enough to be able to build boards that people really liked that came back for more. So I think when you get in that mindset, I think, you know, putting money into something or putting in X amount of hours, that just becomes, you know, what you have to do. It kind of, it's not like, oh no, I have to, you know, spend this much money on it. It's kind of more of, um, it's just more of something you're doing, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the mission. Yeah. Part of the mission, part (laughs) of the process, but it is, you know, it is scary. And, you know, during that time I wasn't thinking about too much, but every now and then I'd be like, Oh my God, like I just spent this amount of money on surfboards and I have no idea if this is even going to work. So it's kind of like, you're, you're putting in all this time and money into something that you don't know is going to work, which kind of goes back to the idea of you have to love the process, right? Because if you don't love the process and the grind in doing that, then it's kind of for nothing because at the end of the day, it might not work. It still might not work, right? Like Arc Surfboards is not a, you know, it's not a wildly successful company yet. You know, it's still in the early stages. So I, I, in my mind, I know that it's going to work, but in reality, like who knows what's going to happen. So I think it's putting on the blinders, having that goal in mind and just grinding and becoming obsessed and happy with the actual process of putting in the work.
because at the end of the day, that's where you're spending most of your time. So if you don't love that part, you know, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. I love that. I mean, having a strong intention, super powerful, and then trusting you'll get somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and you yeah, mentioned the, yeah. Somewhere. The, the bridge to all that you're right is again, it's not about the end goal because this is your life. I mean, the hours you put in is, is not to just, so yeah, let me just get these hours out of the way so I can get to this thing. It's more about, like you said, the joy of the process and you found something a process that gives you joy, you know, for the most part, sounds like. And not, not that every day is perfect as you're grinding away on a surfboard. You're probably thinking like, oh, I don't feel like finishing this board right now. But part of the joy of the process, I think, is the struggle, right? It Absolutely. We need it. I think human beings need struggle. And it's the same thing with travel too, which I mean, you can attest to, right? And it's it's such a cliche idea. Like it's not you know, it's not uh, where you're going. It's, uh, you know, what I don't even know. It's not where you're going. It's how you get there. Because it is the journey. Like, I mean, you can, you can, you probably have tons of stories about, you know, you're going to one place, but the most exciting parts are like what's happening while you're getting there. Like, you know, running to get a flight or like, you know, taking a train across India. Like that's where the exciting stuff happens. And then like when you get to the destination, like you're still going somewhere. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all about the process, whether it's starting a business or, you know, traveling or whatever, because that's the majority of your time. And if the majority of your time is just being spent thinking about something that has not even happened yet, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows, right? I, the, the last part of this that I just wanted to add was, uh, I think the words you said were, you know, I don't know if this, if this is going to work. And, and the reality is nobody ever knows if, some, if something's going to work. And if it starts working, whatever your definition of that is, then it could always stop working one day too. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. 
and you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Going back to kind of where we started with our conversation and with the email that you sent and your story as it relates to this company is just that, you know, you took the trip and then, like you said, kind of, you don't, you didn't know at the time, but then these things sort of build on themselves, right? So by deciding to take a trip or start a business or whatever it is that you're going to do, I'm talking to you, the listener, it's, I feel that you never know if it's going to work. So you have to kind of just be okay, comfortable with that and accept that as a reality, no matter what you're doing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time, especially with travel, you can look like if you accept the idea that, hey, my travel experiences are all going to like sort of build and, and, and everything's kind of always going somewhere, whether I'm traveling or not traveling, it's building on itself. It's taking me in new directions. It's taking me on a life path. I feel like when you choose things that you want to do, like you choose travel or you choose a business you want to get in because you like the lifestyle or you like the industry or whatever, you choose these things, you're then putting yourself into that circle and I mean, it's kind of proof where like, well, it works on some level, right? Because everything builds on itself. So it's it's like you you go you end up somewhere. So I you know whatever it means, I don't I don't know what it means for something to work, but I I don't even know what I'm saying anymore to be honest with you. But I think I I think you get the vibe. <laughs> no, I, I get the vibe. <laughs> I get the vibe. I mean, you're you know, I'm sure you know when you're doing you know podcasting and you're doing your uh, zero to travel and the um, what's the other thing you have. Location indie or something. Location indie, yeah. Location indie, yeah, that's right. Um, I'm I'm sure you. I mean, you take a pause sometimes, and you're like, "Wait, whoa! Like, how did I get here? You know, I was just I was just traveling." <laughs> yeah. Whoever thought that living nomadically had any value to anybody whatsoever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently you do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but uh, you can't know that. That's the thing, right? You can't know. I mean, it's cool what you've done because, yeah, it's just there's something to taking a little bit of control and you can at least only put yourself into into the setting where you can be around people you enjoy, maybe things you enjoy, things you like to do, uh, whether it's travel or something else. And there's something to be said about making decisions that are based on you know, where you might want to be, even if there's no, even if you don't know if you're going to end up there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I keep getting reminded how, um, really like how, how young I am and how, or not really how young I am, just how long life is and how many opportunities there are. Like, I, f- I feel like the last couple of years I've been getting younger. Like I've, I've just been kind of realizing, you know, when you're, you know, you're 35, you're 45, you're, when you're 55, you look at someone who's 45 and you're like, wow, they, this dude is a baby. When you're six, when you're 65, you look at someone who's 55 and you're like, this person's a baby. You know, but if you're, when you're 25, you look at 30 and you're like, oh geez, 30. But it's, there's just so much time. And I feel like I've been getting more comfortable with that whole idea. Um, which is, ex- I think, I think, I don't know, but I think it's extremely beneficial in terms of like, you know, starting a company because of patience, really. Like you don't have to, 
you don't have to um, do this by 28. You don't have to do that by 30. There's just so much time. And if you can eliminate all the judgment and expectations and stuff like that, it's just like, it's liberating, really. Yeah. Was starting your own thing like this a little bit about opting out of uh, what maybe you could call the status quo as a catch-all phrase? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mm. I've definitely... I went to a a pretty good college. Um, You know, most people went off and did like, uh, you know, super cool things like in the business world or, you know, finance or all that stuff. Um, Super cool. I always knew I was kind of like headed in a different direction. Um, And I can see how it'd be really hard for someone to, you know, make decisions if you do care about that sort of thing. I, I, could care less about that. I never really have. I've never really cared about, you know, you have to have this job or that job. Um, I think, which is why I'm able to, you know, do what I do and just build Mm. boards and not make much money. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's also very liberating, like not Mm kind of like, uh, just not caring about others judgments, I think. I mean, which is something we can all work on, right? Like, I mean, everyone, like everyone judges, but uh, you can always um, kind of, you know, you can work on, you know, taking judgment differently. You can just, you can look at it as someone else's issue rather than something that's wrong with you. All right. It's always good to look in the mirror first. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's next, man? I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, it's been, it's definitely been a wild year. Like I'm sure, I'm sure you felt the same way. I don't know what the deal is in, uh, Norway, but it seems like things are starting to, uh, seems like we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a crazy year for me, maybe. So actually this is interesting. Maybe you feel the same way, but I think the, the, you know, the situation we've been in for the last, uh, year pretty much i think it's helped me because you know you can't go anywhere i've been you know been locked in the united states so i've kind of been forced to you know hunker down and just pump boards out get them out the door and just focus on the business um which has you know which has been pretty beneficial for me uh and it's it's you know it's not great to think that way just because so many people are suffering, but you know, from a business perspective, um, it has helped, it helped, has helped me personally in that regard, even though you can't travel and can't do that whole thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Have you felt like yeah, you've been, I mean, just been think... grinding since there's nothing else to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like, like you, I mean, I think it's, it's, just, you know, we have to stay healthy mentally during any time, especially with the way things are right now and as people who like to explore and do different things you know you've you can do a lot of that at home it's just in a in a different way which is nice to learn i think about yourself but i also think it's it's okay to to say what you're saying because yes it's outside of all the suffering it's like you know we all have our individual lives and staying mentally healthy is an important part and and, and i think an important part of that uh, is, you know, looking at some of the silver linings or trying to find the opportunities and staying upbeat every day. And how, I mean, you have to do that. 
right? Uh, you don't have to, but it certainly can make things harder. And I do feel like there are, you know, any any benefits you have with in terms of your mindset and your mental health are going to transfer over, I think, to your physical health. I mean, it's all connected in some ways. And, you know, hopefully it helps us continue to stay healthy and get, and get through this thing. I mean, that's the most, you know, important thing. I, I don't know. This isn't, this is such a big issue, but I, I think as you're taking it from an individual perspective, I agree. It's, it's just, yes, I try to look for the silver linings and, and try to stay positive every day. And I haven't seen my family in the United States for going on a couple of years now. Uh, and you know, there's all these things. And if you think, I feel like if you dwell too much on that stuff, you know, it, this is hard, right? I, I'm, you know, I'm always hesitant to be like, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, just stay positive, man. Everything's great. You know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. like you're allowed because, to have feelings, yeah. right? Sometimes it's, just, it's really hard. Yeah. And that's okay. But also it is important, I think, to to keep a positive mindset and, and to look at some of the, the good things that are a part of this. So I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And like I said before, I think, you know, we're seeing some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe. And maybe. Who knows? <laughs> like I'm being pretty optimistic. Like I said, I want to, you know, hopefully my girlfriend and I are thinking about doing Costa Rica for at least some of the summer. Um, but, you know, who yeah. knows? It could be uh, it could be back to lockdowns for all we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're staying positive. We don't know. We're, you know, we're thinking at least we're thinking about a trip you know that's that's pretty yes. uh that's a good sign and i For think sure. I, I mean other people are too i think people are starting to you know think about travel again which is cool mm-hmm. um for in you know which is different than a while ago when pe- all people were thinking about was you know how the hell are we gonna get through this in one piece which you know yeah i, I mean a lot of people still are you know it's tough but well, we're seeing maybe we're seeing the light at the end of the barrel, right? Yeah, yeah, the end of the I barrel. I, I've always wanted that feeling where you know you see it, and, and and then I don't I don't know how it works, but there's some kind of wisp of ocean when they spit out. Yeah, at you the just end. get. Have you seen that video? It's the guy just, you just gets spit so right out of cool. it. Cool. Yeah, it just must be the coolest feeling to be surfing in a barrel like that. Yeah, like, yeah, one for day, sure. man, one day. Yeah. If, if I'm over in your neck of the woods, don't be surprised if you get a knock on your door and be like, hey, man, you got an extra wetsuit with a hood and some oh, patience. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> you come to, uh, if you come to New England, we'll hook you up with a board and we'll hit some local spots for sure. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I, don't, yeah, I don't piss anybody off too bad. No, nah, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, last question I'll ask you is why is travel important? Why is travel important? Wow. We might need another um, podcast episode for this one. But <laughs> travel is important, I think, for perspective. It gives me perspective, I mean, in a lot of different ways, but it's uh, it's so refreshing to see different people and different beliefs and different just ways of doing things, like different ways of doing life, really. Like, there's so many people, every time you like go somewhere new, every time you meet a new person, I feel like I'm reminded by just like how many people there are in the world. Like there are so many people and there's so many different places and it really gives you a fresh perspective. 
it makes you, you know, rethink your life at home. It makes you rethink like what you're doing or not rethink just, you know, it makes you ponder and it kind of helps you, um, organize your thoughts and you're like, okay, like I'm just, I'm just one person in this whole world and it's a really big world. What I'm doing, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like it doesn't really matter. Like everyone can kind of just relax and it's going to be okay. But, uh, yeah, new perspectives. That conclusion that you just came to, that can, that can be a tricky one too, right? Like anything I do doesn't really matter. And then it's like, whoa. Oh. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, but it, but it do, does you just sit with it. Right. But it does, I guess. Uh, yeah, it, it really does matter in the grand scheme of things. Like we're all together, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. We are a stitch in the fabric of an infinite universe. That's, that's a big one. That's, that's deep. (laughs) (laughs) Life's crazy. Life's crazy. And it is, I think it's important to travel. I think, especially in this time, I think it is super important to have other perspectives. Like in an age where we're so polarized, like we won't get, we don't have to get political, but I mean, appreciating other people's perspectives, understanding where people are coming from. Everyone's different. Everyone has different backgrounds. Everyone has, you know, everyone's been through, uh, everyone's been through stuff. And it's like, just because one person has this belief and this other person thinks something different, like you can still get along, you know? And actually one last thing, like going back to Sri Lanka, one of the coolest things about, uh, the country is that there are so many, uh, religions, in India as well. India, even like on a bigger scale, but Sri Lanka, like, you know, it's one of those places where in a, you know, a street corner or like a town square, there's like a mosque, then there's a Christian uh, church, and then there's a Buddhist temple and they're all right next to each other. And, you know, everyone's just walking past each other, waving, you know, it's uh it's beautiful, but uh, that's, I mean, that's gotta be the most important part of travel, realizing we're all different. And even though we're different, we can get along and Appreciate other perspectives. Hmm. Well, man, I appreciated hearing your perspectives today. And if you want to remind people where they can find your surf company, go ahead and drop the URL here. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you want to check out the website, it's just www.arcsurfboards.com. That's A-R-C. Um, and you can also hit me up on Instagram, arc underscore surfboards. Um, if you want to shoot me a, you know, personal DM, it's Timmy Smith, uh, and Smith with a Y because Timmy Smith is apparently a very common name. So (laughs) Timmy Smith with a Y right on. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for hopping on and yeah, man. Thanks for having me on and, uh, pleasure and yeah, hope we can keep in touch and chat again at some point soon. Absolutely. Let's talk soon. See you later. have it hope you enjoyed my conversation with timmy smith i want to thank him personally for coming on the show and having such patience we recorded this interview a while back and i was so backlogged it took a while to get this interview out here so thanks timmy for your patience hope you're out there catching a wave somewhere and i hope you enjoyed this as well i loved this mix of 
practical travel advice around surfing and also all the stuff we got into around building a business around your passion, working offline, which is a different way of approaching a travel lifestyle and all the other good stuff. So I really hope you you enjoyed it. And please get in touch. Give me your feedback if you'd like to. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email. Always an open invitation there. And I have a link below where you can easily leave me a 90 second or less voicemail. I respond to them all. So drop me a voice message in my voice box or an email and get in touch. Thank you for being a part of this listening community, my friend. I mean, the show's here for you and any feedback you have is very much appreciated. Now, I said I was going to share three main benefits that I see of working for someone else, which is a way that I've fueled my travels for a long time. In fact, the basis for my nomadic lifestyle was working for other people. Even though it was contract work, I was still an employee. And the best benefit, I'd say, of being an employee out there on the road, if you're working remotely or if you're doing some type of travel job like I was, is getting paid to travel. Of course, it's the number one benefit, right? If you can get paid while you're traveling, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. And we all need money to finance our travels. So it makes sense. Second one is one Timmy mentioned, which is if you do want to start your own thing, having money to invest, and that can be in your business or just invest in maybe a place to live when you're done traveling or into the stock market because you want to earn money on your money, whatever the case is, it's nice when you have steady income to have money to invest. Now, the third one, not at all related to money, and I think this is important, it is learning on somebody else's dime. This was a wonderful way to learn, at least for me, about business. And by kind of having my toes in the corporate world over the years, I took some of those skills, I should say a lot of them, and applied them to my own business later on. So there's a lot of value in being an employee. I think especially if you're intentional with that and you're saying, hey, I want to learn I want to make the mistakes now while somebody else is paying for them. And that means I'm going to dive in and maybe do things I'm not comfortable with. Maybe you're going to put yourself out there in a way that may be uncomfortable, like asking if somebody could mentor you or trying to do something at the company that is not really a part of your job responsibility, but you're just taking on extra to learn. There are a lot of different ways, of course, you can act as somewhat of an entrepreneur within your organization, right? If you have the entrepreneurial mindset within the organization, you're going to challenge yourself in different ways and learn and grow. And if you want to eventually leave, I guarantee that at least some of those things that you did are going to translate over and be helpful for your next chapter in life. So those are the three big benefits I see for working for somebody else as you're traveling. And the last one, a bit of a bonus one, and this one really is phenomenal for travelers when it works. It doesn't work for every job, especially in today's day and age. But if you can find the type of gig where at the end of the day, you're done, there aren't any more emails or there's no more stuff to do. An example, this might be, this isn't a a remote job, but being like a bartender, right? At the end of the day, you go home. You can't, nobody's going to email you at three in the morning and ask you to make them a drink. It's not going to happen. You're done. And as a traveler, those types of gigs can be really valuable if you just want to be off 
and enjoy the travel experience when you're not working. So just some things I wanted to share there. Now, here's something we haven't done before. (laughs) I asked my editor to put together a bloopers reel because when we were recording, we had a heck of a time getting things set up in terms of the audio. And I thought it might be fun for you to get a little sneak peek behind the scenes. You can hear all of the shenanigans that take place over here (laughs) on the Zero to Travel podcast if you're so inclined. Now, I'll leave you with a quote right now because you might want to skip the bloopers if you want to hear them. You can stick around after this. But for those of you that don't, I will leave you with a quote from uh, Sunatomo Yamamoto who said, there is nothing that one should suppose cannot be done. Love it. Thanks for listening. Take care and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Here we are recording a show, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> mm. that's how it starts right jason yes volume volume still a little low it's sorry so about that strange maybe it's, it's, you know what here try that yeah yeah can you hear can me you? yeah i can hear you better i just won't be able okay. to use can you hear me still yeah but it's it sounds a lot better with the yeah, headphones on, and i'm also right. getting a little feedback yeah all right let's so see. i can turn up a little bit again if that helps, is that a little better? Uh, a little bit. A little bit? Okay. Well, or maybe I'm deaf. It's, it's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. But obviously, you need to be able to hear my questions. So <laughs> Yeah. Let's, um, let me get into... Uh, one, my... one thing you can try is uh, you can pop out of the room and just come back in again. Yeah, and sometimes try. that... Should I just exit like out? A hard or... reset. Exit out and just come back in, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Is it better than it was before, or the same? Say it again. Is it better than it was before, or the same? Um, it's about the same. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hmm. Let's see. Should I just talk really loud? (laughs) That could actually. You know what? Maybe I could. I can't click my settings anymore. Oh, yeah, I think because I'm recording. Hold on, let me... Oh, okay. I'll stop it again. Yeah, you want to stop again? (laughs) Yeah. Ah, the wheel. (laughs) The the infamous volume wheel. All right, yours is too loud now. Too loud? Put it a little closer and just talk in your normal voice how you'd answer a question. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Can you dial it down just a tad? Yeah, how about that? How's that? How's that? That's good, but now my volume, I can't really hear. But now you can't really hear me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go back to so you can hear me. Okay. Okay. How does that sound? Pretty okay. Pretty okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Okay. Let me look at one more thing. Sorry, this is such a... No, dude. No worries. Technical hiccup here. No worries um, at all. I think we should just roll with it. Why don't we just roll? Right. See what happens. I mean, so wait, right one on. last thing. Yeah. External mic. Okay. Let's try this and then this. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Right on. And yeah, sorry, one last funny. thing. Oh, that sounds loud again. This sounds <laughs> loud again? It was for a second. 
Okay, I just messed with the wheel. How is this? One, two, okay. one, two. That's pretty solid. One, two, one, two. That sounds good. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, just that's about there. Me. Okay, that's, that's perfect. Me. Hey, what happens when you get two people who aren't audio engineers <laughs> onto a phone call? I don't know if we should put together a blooper real highlight of yeah, the that last... Would be, that would be hilarious. I would love to listen to this with the bloopers. <laughs> I don't know if it's been recording, but... <laughs> uh, we'll put a special request here uh, into my editor, see if he can put together a, a blooper wheel. That, yeah, that would be blooper sweet. Wheel, a blooper reel that we can put together. A blooper, a blooper reel. A blooper <laughs> reel. <laughs> you know, you never know the words that are going to come out of your a mouth. blooper reel. Day. When I woke up today, I didn't know I would say the words no. blooper reel. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good to see you, man. Thanks for taking the time. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 